Um, I was very lucky that uh, I come from a family of, of therapists and, and where we kind of have conversations around this. So I had a, a strong background, strong support, um, stepped up a therapy to once a week. And, um, and I was so fortunate that I, I felt like I handled it with grace and virtuosity and that I came out on the other side and I, I didn't feel like it blemished my professional career. But as I looked around at my other medical students, my other peers like that, that was not a shared experience that like I, I would see a lot of stumbling going on a lot of disadvantageous coping mechanisms happening um, at least so it seemed from my from my point of view and um, I just I really wanted to I asked myself what what were the skills that helped me get through this um, evidence-based principles in um, in reframing uh, psychological flexibility self-compassion um, mindful awareness things like this that like are kind of woo-woo, but they're actually super evidence-based. And, and so we created a curriculum around it, um, and that's part of what we do with COPE. And the other part is that we, we give them the chance to practice it in a group setting that fosters vulnerability and tribe like we were talking about earlier. So they're learning the skills, they're implementing them immediately, and they're getting the chance to practice them in their community. And it's been like a magical formula for creating change at the University of Tennessee. Incredible. You're at the medical school currently. Yeah. Or, okay. Well, so so I'm I'm enrolled. I'm at the University of Tennessee. I'm taking yeah. a year off to get my master's of public health at Harvard. Nice. Because as a side project, I want to change the standard of care for chronic disease. Yeah. Um, so this is great. You're a scientist. You have the science mind, and you're at the public, school of public health. Tell me about the research surrounding basically talking with people and how that actually affects our mind and makes us feel better. And I know in, in loneliness and, and the epidemic like that, the evidence-based the evidence -based research that suggests that literally just sitting down and talking with someone or leashing out can have drastic implications and effects on our conceptions of ourselves and whether we're going through something. Yeah. So the key to all this is a kind of just basic understanding of neuroscience, right? And I was a neuroscience major, so it, I, I really got a wait, wait, early exposure to this. Is there such a thing as a basic understanding of It's not brain surgery. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we talk about this thing called the HPA axis. Yeah. Hypothalamic pituitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, basic, we, we, totally. this is yeah. the, so, so a lot of these... Um, techniques and mindful awareness, mindful self-compassion, psychological flexibility, they all allow us to, yeah, down-regulate amygdala activity uh, and up-regulate prefrontal cortex activity, right? And so, uh, and as far as mindfulness goes, uh, in the last 10 years or so, there's been something to come out uh, in research called the default mode network, which is kind of this, this running ruminator in our brain that's always just on autopilot, feeding us threats and criticism and, you know, all that kind of shit. And so, mindful awareness, I, uh, I just did a podcast with a guy, Dr. Judson Brewer, who specializes, he's a psychiatrist specializing in craving and addiction, specifically uh, in the realm of um, overthinking. Ghosts. What? The realm of hungry ghosts. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and, and talking about how uh, like mindful awareness is this evidence-based way to get out of the default mode network and, and create a state of openness and curiosity that allows space for growth and change yeah. and, and peace, really. Yeah. What do you think about this emerging research with psychedelics and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Cool. Uh, to, sorry. And it's a tribute. It's a tribute. Yeah, so um, 
I'll go on the record because people need to go on the record who have had psychedelic experience because so demystify the fuck out of it. Exactly. Because yeah, exactly. And let's talk about the evidence behind it too because in the US, you know, we have the Johns Hopkins Center that's starting to do research on this. But in Europe, they've been doing this for a long time. And we know that in Europe where they can do research on LSD, they in, uh, injected uh, intravenous psilocybin and they compared the fMRI, so testing the brain activity of these people on psilocybin versus people who have meditated for decades. And the reality is, is it's the same brain regions that are deactivating and activating. And so I think this gives us something, uh, a, a huge insight into the like implications of this in medicine. I think that, you know, when we consider humans being narrative-making, uh, you know, organisms, and that when you look at the root cause of all chronic disease, that we're talking about lifestyle, we're talking about decision-making. Decisions are based on our narrative, what we tell ourselves about ourselves, and this you know, as Michael Pollan says, how to change your mind. Right. This is the way to it's change your mind. Exactly. So you have, for everyone who's maybe hasn't, hasn't read How to Change Your Mind with Michael Pollan, he has this really neat analogy, which I, I think he maybe, he took from someone else, but it was this idea that you have a hill, right? And the narratives we tell ourselves are the sleds that go down the hill in the snow. Oh, yeah. Right? And over time, those grooves get really deep, the, they ice over and they get really strong. Okay. Psychedelics, or even you know, CBT or mindfulness is a way to have fresh snow, shake up the snow, go up, have fresh snow. So the sled going down the hill can make new potential paths. And when I heard that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, personal experiences I've had, they do allow you to look at things in a new way. And if used responsibly, they can really treat chronic illness and things that a lot of people struggle with and that are very personal to them and that they're trying to get over and it's just so tough sometimes looking at all these different therapies all these different drugs and I think it's really an exciting time to be able to have a new potential emerging drug that could actually change and the research as you said is certainly showing that that is the case. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, we, we obviously, as Michael Pollan says, have to move forward with caution. This, these are very powerful substances that I, I view it like uh, like driving a stick shift, which I don't drive a stick shift, but I, I hear uh, that, you know, when you engage the clutch, that allowed, you know, that's, pull, that's pulling, that's enabling you to kind of like shift gears, right? And if you're in, if you're in the same gear the whole time, then you're kind of limited as the far as far as like your flexibility. But when you disengage the clutch, which is actually what is happening when you do psychedelics, because serotonin is a neuromodulating hormone, it allows you to make these changes. It allows you to take advantage of neuroplasticity and and change that narrative or or reshape those sled you know paths. Sure. Have you heard of the hypofrontality hypothesis? Or I'm not sure I have. Is this idea that? It's kind of related to the HPA, but it's that in, our, in the flow states, right, as Michal Chimelinsky's, I can't remember his last name, the flow states, the states in which we're really engaged, we're not thinking about anything else, maybe you're on a run and you're just in it, you know, you're doing a procedure mm -hmm. and you're just in it, the, the sort of states that we can't really map, wrap our minds around, everything is down-regulated down and we're actually thinking less. Uh, have you? I mean, have you heard? Of yeah, that? for sure. I mean, I, I think so. I referenced earlier yeah. that like there we we place this really high value on the yeah. prefrontal cortex overriding the amygdala. Yeah. But I, I actually I have issue with that, right? Because at some point we can't outthink our fear, right? Mm -hmm. We 
we can't outthink our fear, and that, that's like, you know, us humans are like, oh, we got it this time. We found the we found the thing that we can do. Like, no, just you have to let go. You have to let go. We're trained from a very young age to have the right answer, to be very thinking, right? Since kindergarten, since first grade, we're, we're taught to sit in chairs, to be quiet, and to listen, and to regurgitate information, right? Recess is decreasing. There's, there's less and less recess. People are less and less in tune with, you know, I listen to a lot of Elliot Hulse. And he has a lot of, like, bioenergetics. He talks about, like, feeling it in your balls, like, yeah. talking with your balls. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, oh, yeah. and people so much are so... Right, like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I can't remember what, what that one type of meditation is. <laughs> the cover for this podcast. But it's when you shout and you just, literally, you just go and you just scream and you just get... St- just yes. because we're, we don't do that shit anymore. No. Well, uh, all the Blake time. does. <laughs> <laughs> do you do, uh, what is it's it like, called? <laughs> um, like... Uh, butthole tanning too, where you like you turn, you <laughs> yeah yeah no no this is a huge thing now is that um, yeah 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 it's, it's you're supposed to like like put your butt up. up to the sun because that is the like a place that never gets any direct sunlight and same thing with the scrotum is that and yeah. this is actually research that testosterone production increases dramatically with well, exposure to you know UV what light. I totally believe yeah, so that because, because walking around with my balls out <laughs> yeah balls <laughs> out butthole in the air. <laughs> That actually, so I study human evolutionary biology, oh. and that actually definitely resonates with like primates do that all the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You have male chimps, these balls huge, right? Because it's sperm competition, mm-hmm. and they gotta make quick. But just they're just laying out, throwing them everything, and we don't do that quite often, right? We're in these geometric spaces, even when it's sunny out. We're not getting out. We're not like yelling and screaming, and but kids do that. Kids know how to like be themselves and run around naked they don't care so it's like how you know we're gonna have track here but how can we like integrate some of those things into our daily lives and some people will call it hippie woo woo but you know that's fine but but so this is it it still is under the hippie woo category but there are people who are trying to validate this idea so this guy out in ucla dan siegel he's founded this field called interpersonal neurobiology which is the relationship between the feedback that your body gives you and your brain, your conscious brain. And so just like you were talking about how, what does, what does it tell our brain when we're in these shapes? Just Just do this. Yeah. Oh, it is, it is, you you can't feel that. And, and, and back to the kind of butthole uh, tanning thing. (laughs) Think about it evolutionarily. When are the times at which your butthole could be exposed to sun? I mean, you gotta be chilling. You're confident. You gotta be chilling. chilling. You're confident. Exactly. You're chilling. And right. so, what does that tell your What does that tell your mind? This is a time of peace. This is a time of fornication. <laughs> this is chill. It's good. Yeah, Things it really are good. Is. Yeah, dude, I'm not running. That's true. From you know what? Fucking pray. You know? What you just said is completely true. What I'll do before going out, maybe, and, and I want to be able to be social and gregarious, and just be myself and open up. Is all as I'm going to the place, the club networking event I'll just smile I'll force myself to literally put my face into a smiling position for like five to ten minutes yeah. and you actually start your brain's like oh okay when my yeah. facial muscles move in this orientation that means that I must be happy I don't know why I'm happy but whatever I'm just happy it's the old pencil experiment right pencil experiment. <laughs> what they did is when the, they had people read a cartoon and when they had a pencil up here like it was like this they're, they're, you're frowning so of course when you read it after you're gonna be like ah I didn't like that but you read it, and they have you uh, bite, and you're smiling. So you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. So afterwards, you think it's funny. Not because of the content, but of course because of the facial 
muscular neurofeedback, which is exactly what we're talking about here. So, so we're just going down rabbit holes right and left, but I love it's it. Good. So that is a good segue to law of attraction. Yeah. What are your thoughts on law of attraction? Dude, so I think it's completely, completely a thing. We were so we're making this new pitch deck. And we're starting it with the butterfly effect. And it's this idea that the small small little changes can lead to drastic consequences. And I honestly think the universe brings people together for certain reasons. People can say it's God, right? They can say it's a deity. They can say whatever it is. But there's some force, there's some reason why people are in certain places at certain times. Uh, I love going back to this because it's uh, we wouldn't be standing right here if Demi and I hadn't met, right? Like. I was out one night, and I actually, that night, I didn't, didn't really want to go out. I was pretty tired, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go out, just meet some people. Went to Earl's in Boston. Great place if you haven't been. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, but I saw Dimmy, he had this, like, crazy big watch on. I'm like, bro, it nice was, it watch. Was stupid. And he's like, bro, it's an HBS watch. And like, I don't know, like, and uh, it was just through that small little one microcosm that led to all these other things. And so I think the law of attraction, whether it's with human relationships uh, I mean, that's pretty much... Human relationships are manifesting a certain goal you want. It all begins with a thought. And I think uh, the thought and the narrative is what says, okay, what I like doing, for example, is we're, what's the best case scenario? Okay, how do we reverse engineer that? And if, you're, if your mindset is let's try to get to that, I think you'll be operating within that frame of that is what the end goal is. And so I think it's good for goal setting. Demi, what are your thoughts on law of attraction? As someone who maybe isn't as, you know, like woo-woo and like butthole in the air as like me and Zach here. Yeah. You know, for the record, uh, I'm not against the butthole in the air thing. You know, honestly, like what you were saying before about kind of how it relates back to goal setting and like the method in which you do it. I think that there's a more interesting philosophy in that end. It's just kind of something I realized. I was listening to, uh, it was a song by Big Sean of all people, right? Like, all of a sudden at the end of the song, you know, he's having a conversation with his mom and he's talking about, he's like, you know, I don't know why, but like, I just always pictured myself as someone who just failed at everything in life, right? And I just got to the end and I regretted it all. And, you know, when I wake up, you know, it kind of feels like it's my, my second chance at everything, right? Okay. And I, I think in, in that sense, like, that's a really, really interesting way to set goals. And it's a way that I kind of found myself thinking, you know, if I wake up with the mentality like, you know what, the worst case scenario has already happened, like, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. It, it gives you motivation to just take risks. You have nothing to lose, just take a shot. What are people gonna do? Laugh? Yeah, they're already laughing. If, if you know what I mean, like if that's the thing. If that's, if that's the thing. Yeah, I talk Blake all the time. He's like, "Oh, dude, but what if, uh, what if, what if uh, I don't get into this, whatever, you know, because of this?" And I'm like, "Dude, if that's what, if you don't get in because <laughs> no, no, because of the downfall, if that's the reason, <laughs> buddy. Like, did you really want to do it? Like, more insight to that. It's actually really funny. This is kind of it's, it's an insight into like Demi and I's relationship. I tend to overthink the fuck out of things. Okay, and <laughs> what happens? You know, when we were starting working together more, we'd be sending applications to certain like VCs or like incubation programs. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, dude, I don't know if we should say this sentence. This wording is a little like too much." Like, and he's like, "Dude, like, if that's the reason why we don't get into this or we don't get this funding or whatever, then 
Fuck it. And I think that's a that's a good way to like live in general because as long as you have someone to balance it out. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're just excusing everything that you do. Uh, honestly, I don't know if anything I said has to do with the law of attraction. You know, it's so it's I don't, so I don't really know shit about it actually, Zach. If you could like dive a little bit more into yeah, it, give us well, some, like, a little background. So yeah. law of attraction was popularized by Jerry and Esther Hicks. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and it's understandably controversial, right? Because they ultimately have created their own religion around it. Right. Um, and they, they, Esther says that she is like divinely inspired by uh, an ethereal god kind of being called Abraham. It, it's, 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 it's this whole religion. <laughs> yeah. But but the principle is actually like has a hell of a lot of, it, it, it's rooted in psychology, evolutionary psychology. Yeah. It's actually also rooted in science, right? I mean, all of our thoughts are um, like electricity moving through wire, and we know that that creates a frequency, right? And so if you're talking about frequencies and you're considering, you know, electrons vibrating at a certain frequency, every all everything is is frequency. And, and what happens, I don't know if you all have seen this YouTube video, you have to look it up if you haven't seen it because it's mind-blowing, is uh, it's, they put 100 metronomes on a table. You know the old kinds like this. Yeah, yeah. And and they 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 hit them all manually at completely different speeds. So they're, it's 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 very uh, discordant. But it conforms. And it conforms. It conforms over the course of about five minutes, and all hundred are just in formation. Wow. And vibration, man, it's because I think uh, frequency affects other frequencies. It it, it, it it comes to this kind of gradual point. And so. When you talk about people, I mean, I see that every day. I mean, you yeah. can tell the, the you literally are attracting the people at your frequency. Totally. You know? Totally. I would, I, I totally believe that. No, dude, and, and frequencies, not, I think that happened with, uh, might have been the Golden Gate Bridge, but it was just like the wind blew through it and made it vibrate at a certain frequency that was exactly the same as like the street, and it just crumbled. Mm. Like, it's crazy. Oh, like, yeah, right. No. Like, such a small thing, but like, yeah. It's yeah, huge. and and on the on the point of this kind of like narrative making and, and harkening back to neuroscience, we have the what's called the reticular activating system, which yeah. literally RAS, you know maybe. about that. Yeah, or yes. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say, do you listen to Real Social Dynamics or RSD or any? Dude, what? Are yes. you serious? Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> I do. Dude, that's how we <laughs> oh, dude, dude, my boy RAS. Tyler. Oh, Tyler, bro, he's always been RAS like. It's real. I mean, yeah. But go yeah. ahead. No, I'm just gonna say that, like, I mean, you know that you notice it at the beginning of the day. If you, if your narrative is that, like, I'm the just the kind of person that shit goes well for, like, I, like, I'm on this hero's journey and like things are falling into place. Well, you yeah. start to see your whole day unfolds exactly like that. Yeah. All you, it's we're led by belief, all, and it sounds so, like all those fairy tales we grew up on, like all that bullshit. I'm like, this is stupid. Like math. No, like believe, believe for sure. So like. Crystal sound healing and all this yeah, stuff. It's like, all right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm I'm working on proving it, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so then weaving in some RSD with this and law of attraction and Yo, Blake, one time for the people, what the hell is RSD? <laughs> RSD is they're they're a dating company, um, Real Social Dynamics. They're out in California. Oh, okay. They teach men and women uh, how to better relate with each other and really just be courageous and act on their intention to want to get to know someone and not back down and really get out of this idea that she's out of my league or he's out of my league or and they just help with relationships since they have content and stuff you got something on your eye and I would love to add to that that 
I think they often get conflated with the pickup artist community, right. and I think that that's where they, they're completely, exactly, and they differentiate themselves entirely to being more of a self-optimization, like, yeah. uh, kind of um, space rather than, like, seductive space. And I feel like the two go hand in hand. Exactly. The, the, thing, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, is that it's really my belief that uh, when you begin to work on yourself and you seek validation from within and not from anything else, it's those it's those traits, not necessarily the, the pickup lines or the gimmicks, that is what becomes attractive. And so it's, you know, we think that we need to pay someone to teach us the, the tricks and the tips, but it's really what RSC is, is saying, that you, know, you need to work on yourself and begin to love yourself, have self-compassion. Then, when you go somewhere, you're not phased, right? And you, you need no one's validation, and it's more, you're seeking it because you actually genuinely want it, and you're not in this extractive, like, trying to get sex and all these things, and you're more connected with this idea of uh, really talking with someone. And so, I don't know, they've, they've impacted my life, mainly just with the concept of, a, of the approach. That is, before I knew the approach, I came, we come to this earth and we think, you can't talk to that person and oh, what if I talk to this person they're going to see me talking to that person and my reputation is going to be lower all these narratives and bullshit stories that are brains <laughs> but then once you actually just say fuck it I'm just going to go I'm going to approach that person and tell them how I feel it's extremely liberating and it expands the horizons of shit that's possible yeah. you're just like holy shit that's cool I just had a conversation with that person what the fuck yeah tell, dude yes you have, you, have an, you have a thought I don't have a thought <laughs> You were going to say something. No, I was just going to ask if it's still recording. <laughs> it is. All right, we're, we're good. good. We're good. So, yeah, RSD was this time in my yeah. life where I think I started to realize I was operating from a scarcity mentality instead yeah. of an abundance mentality. Right. And you go you go out and, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like, middle school, high school, I was into the whole fucking, like, what was it, like, mystery and, like, I don't Dude, even remember. Yeah, mystery uh, and, um... Who were the other guys? There yeah, were a bunch of, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, You know no. what I mean? And... And you go out and you have this agenda and you're like, I am void of this kind of relationship that I want. And then you shift from that to like, you literally are going out to create your own fun. And if other people want to get a board, dude, like, yeah, by yeah, all yeah, means. Yeah. But like, dude, if I go out, so I'm going to do I'm gonna do me. Dude, I just, dude, I literally, I go out and I just dance yes. my ass off. And yes. you know what the, the, the weird thing is, is when you just focus on... Uh, contributing, yeah. contributing yes. to whatever tribe there is there, whatever tribe is being made. You dance. You have nothing to take. You're not going in there to get anything. You're just going in there to have fun. People will recognize that and they will be attracted to you naturally. Girls and guys. Yeah, right? it's 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 not just sexes. about like girls, right? Exactly. It's about like it's it's literally just a a human dynamic that you can only you know like I I, I study psychology and they have all these people who write all these studies, right? Do any of those people actually go out and go in the field and really try to like harp in and like record these things and look at nuance from a from a in-person, not in the laboratory, and so I have a deep respect for people like RSD. Whether people think they're misogynists or not, I don't care. That are actually trying to break these things down and say, okay, this is when you're talking to the girl in this way, it's not good. Or this is when you're, uh, like, you shouldn't have said that, you should back off. The thing is, is that they are teaching men one, how to communicate interests in a, a non-weird way, uh, not take advantage of, of women and actually educate them on when and when not to approach and how to not freak the girl out. These are all very delicate topics that men 
perhaps aren't taught when they're when they're uh, younger. And Definitely fathers, aren't taught, fathers right? Don't teach them. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. say go to a movie, or you say this line, and it's sad because it becomes the bar, and then all of a sudden you go and maybe you freak a girl out, and then she has she's carrying that burden around of men are this, and, mm. and they say these things to me, and it's and not it perpetuates good. this it, whole issue that we're in right now. Right, and so I think the. Tyler, Tyler had this really one awesome quote. He said, like, the answer amongst all these all, the, all these problems between the gen- genders is not to separate them, right? Not to create these barriers, but get people interacting. And that's so important. Just get people to approach, like, approach and talk, you know, and not do it under, under, under the influence of booze, too, which is yeah. another thing why they are just amazing. Yeah. They don't do these sober. things. Sober. Sober as shit, sober. <laughs> Like, who would have the balls to go and do that? And that's why I admire them. You know, they have their ina- inadequacies, but I think we can learn from them. They're a net positive. Yeah. Yeah, they're net positive. That's just good. But now, let's dive into... <laughs> I, you know what's kind of funny is we've, like, done a whole circle. We, we've done... We've, well, literally, we've literally gone like this and done a whole circle. <laughs> but we're back at the point. How did you two meet? What's this whole... Oh, just, uh... <laughs> Yeah, we met the day we got back from Portugal. Oh, right. Yeah, so the day we got back from Web Summit, I actually I left my phone in the Uber when I left the when I left the party. Yeah, and uh, I fucking sucked. But anyways, no, yeah, I, met, I met Zach. We met for like briefly, like one night. We played a couple games. We learned a lot about each other that yeah. night. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, we got really into uh, really into some of these games here, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't See, know. It was uh, so his girlfriend yeah. is really good friends with a partner of mine, Got it. and so that is how we met. Yeah, yeah. Make a long story really short. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was uh, I think it was at a friendsgiving. Is that yeah, what that was? A friendsgiving yeah. thing. It was a friendsgiving thing. We were playing uh, playing some games, a lot of card games that made us tell us a lot more about ourselves than we wanted to share. And I, I think the hesitancy coming uh, from my boy is that <laughs> is that. Um, especially at the time, and, and the relationship dynamic has changed quite a bit since then, but especially at the time, um, I was in a non-monogamous relationship yeah. with uh, this partner of mine. Yeah. And so I think that, like, there maybe you know, I think that, that's still an uncomfortable thing to talk about. And it's like, oh, like, you know, um, is there, like, is that going to be embarrassing for anyone? Or is that, like, a, a touchy subject? Slash, do I even have the vernacular to, like, have a conversation about this? Because our, like, relationship standards don't really, like, cover the, you know, spectrum of different ways you can, you know, arrange yourself. So, Is that something you found to be an uncomfortable, like, conversation? Uncomfortable or? conversation to have in the past? Um, not for me. I mean, I'm an open book. And right. I, just like with psychedelics, like, I feel, <clears throat> I feel like a responsibility to talk about it because... Um, I'm comfortable talking about it, and I think I uh, I I have some good reasons, and yeah. I um, and I, I think there's a lot of value in it that other people could get. Um, I think it's very uncomfortable for um, for a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things are that shouldn't be. Yeah. What can you do? But I, I do think that there's some comfort in authenticity, anyways, mm-hmm. and like not trying to say something that you're not or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know. yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. Dude, full dude. circle, man. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, day we got back from Web Summit, and uh, yeah, now full circle. What four months later, yeah, we're here yeah. in the iLab. So that's <laughs> funny because we, I I just met a photographer who I we met on Instagram, and like I I wanted to interview yeah we've been him. following him like for literally a while, yeah this was like right in the beginning of connect on commute like probably a half a year ago 
and now he's here taking pictures and we met we did a podcast it's super so funny cool. so like super cool. Cool. But cool shit happens and uh, yeah. also did you meet uh, Niels? no I didn't hey it's Zach yeah. are you part of the team as well? yeah okay awesome yeah this guy's TikTok famous by the way oh you know the videos of like people on like buildings and shit like that that's Niels he's like the one like up there like hanging off and stuff he's doing crazy stuff yeah shout out my boy Niels by the way at Niels on Instagram but I need to pull up on my yeah. Okay, this was awesome. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, hey, yeah, of thanks, course, Zach. Dude. It was awesome. Are you going to be here this semester? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See you.